Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to what I'm sure you've all been eagerly waiting for, the newest episode of the Boozy Musies podcast. Brought to you tonight unofficially by William Grant's The Family Reserve Fine Scotch Whiskey that I bought in the Caribbean because colonialism. And boom, chicka pop, I want to stuff my mouth but not feel bad about it like kettle corn. Thank you both to our unofficial sponsors. With me tonight are the immortal idol of museum items, Morgan Smith, as well as the interpretation icon of Pennsylvania, Sarah Hickson. This episode, we are going to be gently guiding you into 2022 with museum story time. We each have a few tales to tell of our time in the field. You can laugh at us, the other people, or the hypocrisy of modern society. It doesn't matter as long as you get a giggle in. To prove just how easily we're going to guide you in, I have no trigger warnings for tonight. Our first story harkens back to one of our previous podcasts, which if you haven't listened to, screw you. I'm not giving you any context. Go give us the listen. And Morgan was talking about eating enchiladas, and she used the term ASMR, which I, as uncool as I am, didn't know what that meant. So I just rolled with it. And I waited till my husband got home and I was like, Tyler, what does ASMR means? And he's like, I don't know, but I've heard that word. And I was like, we should Google it. Me and my unequally cool husband Googled the word that I pretended to know in the podcast. And now I know that it's a trend of sound, sound things like this. This is AMSR. ASMR. That's my drink. My popcorn. I love that your first like plan of attack was not to Google it on your own. It was to wait for Tyler to come home to be like, "Hello, honey." Okay. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be something dirty, and I didn't want it to be in my Google feed because then I would start getting dirty advertisements. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, incognito browsing, first off, or just be like me and embrace it. Just know that you're going to have some weird shit in your browser history, and that's just okay because you're learning. (laughs) Let's talk about my next museum story time, which actually involves a museum. I love that that was your first story time. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just felt like I needed to get it off my chest, guys. Okay, I don't. I didn't want to present like a front about who I am because I'm all about authenticity. Um, we are dorks and nerds, so welcome, fellow humans. Um, okay, my first actual museum story also has to do with our previous podcast. So again, refer to our previous material. But you guys remember I was talking about the Alexander Majors house. That's like the sister house of where I typically work. And there was that ghost, Eliza Johnson, the one who like was pulling herself up the stairs with a broken yep. head. Yep. So very vivid. You can't really forget that quickly. No, after so after we had recorded, 
we were hosting ghost tours at that house. We were wrapping up for the night and I end up in the carriage room, which is our final presentation where we are serving a cocktail. I decide that I'm going to try the cocktail and I have probably a third of a glass within like 20 minutes. And since I'm a lightweight, I was a little bit tipsy afterwards. But I was determined to be the good employee that I was. Walk up to the curator. I'm like, hey, Sarah, like, I think we're ready to shut down for the night. Most of the guests are gone. Like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, "Um, well, if you wait a few minutes, I'll go close up the house with you. And I was like, no, I can do it alone. And she's like, really? Because it kind of creeps me out. And I was like, no, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, I'll be fine. So I walk up to the house and I go in the front door and I'm just like shutting off the lights willy nilly. And I previously said that I get like a bad feeling in this house. And I like kind of do. But so I'm shutting off the lights. And then I get to Louisa's staircase. And on the staircase, I just see a flash of white. And I panic. I absolutely panic for about 10 seconds. And I'm like, I'm about to have my ghost experience. Turns out that there was a quilt in our yarn weaving wool women's work section that one of the guests had either thrown or knocked off the top of the landing onto Louise's staircase. And so it wasn't actually a ghost, but for all of 10 seconds, my slightly intoxicated self at work thought that I had seen my first ghost. Oh, so it doesn't take you a full bo- glass of wine. It takes you about a, a third of a cocktail <laughs> instead. I, I told you, <laughs> like, affects, she affects me. It was also 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> okay, well, also, I mean, two, two things come to mind. One, that was the beginning of a horror movie. Like, the more you talked, the more I was just like, you are about to get murdered if this is a horror Obviously movie. Obviously not if I'm talking to you now. I, I said if it was a horror movie. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but also, I mean, who's to say a visitor through that quilt? Who's to say it wasn't blue eyes? Oh. Okay. Speaking as a person who... Uh, only your theme using ghosts. <laughs> That's a great lead-in to another one of the museum stories I wanted to tell. All of mine are ghostly, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> the Alexander Majors house. I was there for volunteer appreciation night. And so I got all set up and I was there with just the director because she was attempting to support me in my support of the volunteers. And so I get all set up and I'm just like hanging out in the office where the security cameras are like waiting for the volunteers to arrive. And the director calls me over and she's like, Sarah, come look at this on the security cameras. And I was like, and it was beam of light, like a shaft of light streaming down, gauging by how the house was set up because I know it pretty well. I couldn't tell where it was coming from. And so I was like, Carrie, like, do you want to go look at it with me? And she's like, no, I'm good. And really, she meant, like, I have things to do, Sarah, other than ghost chase with you. Is this what I pay you for? So I wait until my favorite volunteer, Alice, shows up. God bless you, Alice. She believes in ghosts. And so Alice walks in the door with her cookies for the cookie exchange. And I'm like, don't even give her time to put them down. I'm like, Alice, you have to come inside the house with me. Come look at this beam of light. And so Alice is like, oh, God. And so Alice puts down her cookies, and I go charging through the house, which is, like, all dark and closed up. 
and we're like shutting blinds in the house and like trying to tell like where the light could come from and at this point apparently the director has started watching our tomfoolery on the security cameras naturally (laughs) naturally because she calls me and she's like okay it's still there but you're standing like by it and so I like step over and she's like okay now you're in it and so I'm like looking around like waving my hands trying to find the source and we never did officially find out what it was coming from other than if it was coming from the security camera itself but that may have actually been my first paranormal investigation did you get cold when you stepped into the beam I did not. Well, I have no, I have, I have nothing to add. (laughs) That's the extent of what I know about like ghost orbs. It's like, ooh, temperature drops. But I would, I just appreciate this field and people we get to deal with that when someone walks into the office and you're like, listen, ghost hunt right now, no prep. They just, like, willingly follow you into what is known to be a haunted historic house. Yeah. Okay. Like, ooh, an adventure? Okay. Let me put down my coffee. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Let me, just, let me just set down my cookies real quick. <laughs> so, my next story, and I promise I will eventually run out of ghost stories, is <laughs> happened just this past week. It was... Um, the day before New Year's Eve, so like December 30th, and we were super busy, but I also had a lot of things to do because I was my job plus curator plus a bunch of other things, and a man like rings the front doorbell, and so I go downstairs, and I'm like trying to get him in the house, and I'm like, okay, we're doing like self-guided $5 tours, that what you're interested in, and he's like, no, I just came to tell you something. I was like, what? I was like, I don't have I don't have time for this. And he says, I'm staying in a house across the street. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is about to be a waste of my time. Looked out late last night, looked out the window of this house I'm staying in, and I saw what looked like a man shaking wheat. <laughs> okay. Are you telling us? I've never heard a more more Kansas sounding thing to happen. This is in Missouri, but anyway. You're like this tomorrow. (laughs) So I was like, shaking wheat? Is that what the youths are calling it nowadays? Shaking his wheat? I think I literally said like, okay. Because I had no idea where this was going. I was like, is it about to tell me that we were being robbed? That, like, the back of the house was vandalized? Like, what's happening? And he's like, so I looked you guys up online, and I found out that you're haunted. And so I just wanted to let you know so you could record it. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah. So, like, when I woke up this morning... I realized that there was nothing in the back of the house that could look like a man shaking wheat. And in my head, I'm thinking, what the hell does shaking wheat mean? But I don't even care because I don't, I don't have time on that particular day for this man's ghost story. I love that he thought 
that you guys like keep a log of all of the ghostly occurrence like i just wanted you to know that i saw a man shaking wheat so you can record it like yeah let me pull out my ghost sighting ledger and write that down real quick man across street sees man shaking wheat the worst part is we don't like actively keep a log but around ghost tours time, we do encourage people to tell us of, like, their sightings because then we just put it in the future ghost tours. That does make sense. Um, <laughs> this is a vaguely reminiscent of a log that we kept at a museum that I worked at, but instead of ghost sightings, it was dumb shit kids say during tours. <laughs> <laughs> purely, purely recreational we did not include it in future programming but it was pure gold oh my pure God. gold so on monday this is not one of the stories i plan to tell um last monday i had just like relaunched our youth volunteer program and i was feeling kind of good because i had like 13 kids from the age of like eight to like 17 signed up and 11 of them or whatever signed up to come to our youth volunteer day, like relaunch event. And so I think it's going pretty well. I have like two adult volunteers in and they're helping two tables of kids and I'm helping a table of kids that I knew from camp. So I knew I liked them and they were well behaved. Until I walk over to this other table and it was full of like, eight through 10 year olds and these young women have started demanding that they be paid for their labors and that it was child labor and that they needed to be paid for their efforts and were the adults being paid and part of me was like you don't understand that this is a volunteer event and that your parents volunteered you to help us and part of me was like Hell yes, future labor leaders of the United States, powerful women in the making. I love it. Sorry, <laughs> it's like part of you wants to be like, who, who do you think you are? But the other part of you is like, yes, demand your worth. I will give you my own money. Okay. Um. So I have three different museums that I'm going to be touching on because life has been weird. So the first one, I'll talk about the children's museum where I was working. Um, and I was trying to think of different kinds of stories from different places. And one that really stood out to me was this, this one volunteer was coming in and she was going to be giving a virtual tour. Cause it was during one of the, the bigger shutdowns for Pennsylvania, where it was like, nobody could really be in. And the, the way that the Children's Museum is kind of set up, if you think of like, I don't know, it's very similar to like how my grandmother's church's basement looks and the fact that, okay, so the Children's Museum <laughs> is a firehouse. Um, and so they have a very weird setup with how it operates. And you know those like kitchens that have like the, the accordion like half wall? With the, See, the thing is, all you had to say was my grandmother's church's basement. Yeah. I, like, picture the large room, like you said, the accordion off kitchen part, and then, like, the yes. large pillar supporting 
the other floors because it's just a big open room and part like partial tile probably and partial carpet as well yeah you just you just unlocked like very weird core childhood memories for me that i don't think i'm a fan of you're welcome (laughs) the Uh, basement of my grandmother's pentecostal church that's what i want to remember on this tuesday evening (laughs) (laughs) anyway um but that's like how the office is we're a weird accordion half wall and they um so on on the counter in the in the museum offices where you can like look out over and like see the front desk. Um, and so one of my, one of my good friends is working at the front desk and I'm walking into the, into the offices and on the counter, I see this weird like bundle of fake suede, like beads, like fringe, all this. And I went, Oh, this is not, this is not what I hope it is. This is not, oh my God. And so I asked the assistant director, who's like our age. She's actually like three months younger than me. Um, and I asked her like, what is this? And can we throw it away? Because I think I know what it is. And she was like, no, that's for the one volunteer we have coming in to do a virtual tour of the um the whole judicial new longhouse and the lenae lenape room which mind you hasn't been updated since like maybe the 1990s and i've asked them if we could do that and they kept telling me no because they quote just did it um which no you didn't it kind of looks like trash but whatever it's your museum a long way from um, the 1990s yeah like it's not all the way but a long way yeah like a baby step but it's still away from what that was um it also just like it looks very much like a 70s diorama like natural history museum display and it wasn't i mean all of their displays are made by volunteers which is very lovely people that you know like dedicating their time and things to the museum but it also doesn't look great um like peeling cardboard paper off of the walls and dust and fake birds but anyway um and so i asked the assistant director i was like what is this and she's like oh it's the costume she likes to dress up when she's giving tours and i went what no i know where this is going and no i was like what and i was like can she not wear it like seeming that that would be the obvious question to ask and i'm looking at my friend who's working the front desk and she's like shit what and the assistant director is like well if you want to tell her not to wear it then that's up to you and i was like this should be your job why are you putting it on me but okay and so i did i asked her if she could not wear it and she was like yeah like that's okay like but then she made, which I thought everything was fine for like 0.2 seconds. And then she made the comment of, oh, well, then, you know, like some people take things too far sometimes, you know? And I was like, mm, no, no, I don't. Um, no. I was like, I have, I have a master's in indigenous studies. If you want to have a conversation about why this isn't proper, then we can do that. 
And she went, well, I've been given this tour for like 20 years. And I went, that well, is you don't my, have to wear a costume to give it. That is my absolute biggest pet peeve. And it's, yeah. it's happened to me in the museum that I currently work at, even, where, you know, you try to, like, point something out that probably shouldn't really be done for, you know, whatever reason. And then you get kind of like the, oh, well, we've been doing so-and-so for 20 years. It's like, I don't care. I don't care that you've been doing it for 20 years. You shouldn't have been doing it for 20 years. No. I genuinely do not care. This is the reason you need a volunteer coordinator, because then I'm essentially, like, the designated asshole or like if someone needs to hand down some truth to volunteers regardless of how long they've been there like that is my job so really your staff just needed a designated asshole and that was me that's okay I left and I'm at a university which is actually a pretty good segue, good job, um, into the next story. So the first exhibition we had, <laughs> look at us, um, the first exhibition that we had this school year was of these, ma- when I say massive, I mean, like, there were five that couldn't fit in the elevator in their crates, large paintings. And so we had to uncrate them in the middle of, like, a student section in, like, the, like the, one of the student center buildings. We had this woman who, I guess, was, like, dropping off her kiddo for their first year of college. And she walks over and she's like, what are you guys doing? And we're, like, explaining to her that we're, you know, trying to install an exhibition. And there's, like, five people around this painting, right? We're trying to lift it out of the crate so that we don't break it. And she walks up to it and she touches it. (laughs) And before anybody can even, like, comprehend what's happening, she goes, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that, shouldn't I? And we're like, no. Grown-ass woman. Ugh. I literally, so, not to, like, jump ahead, literally all of my stories tonight are about people touching things. So, but, like, I, I completely understand what you mean about, like, it happens so fast that, like, you almost, like, can't, like, your brain your mouth can't like catch up with your brain to say like what you're trying to say. Cause like a lot of times I end up just going like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like that has happened recently, but like that she had the nerve to immediately be like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. If you knew, like if you knew enough to say that immediately after you did it, then why did you do it? Why? Because, because tuition at this university is $70,000 a semester, or a year, rather. I mean, most, most of the students that I've come in contact with are there on, like, scholarship, and they work their ass off. But there's definitely some students that are like, yeah, I drive, I drive a Jaguar. I'm like... I drive a Jaguar, and I'm going to poke your painting. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, these paintings, but they're, like, they're thick. Like, they're on canvas, but I swear to you, they're, like, two to three inches thick with, like, plaster paint layers if he used, like, fabric, like, over top of the, like, they're, and they're fragile because the, the canvases are so, like, they're not a great support for it, like, to hang it. And so the fact that she was, like, boop, or like, you're going to make paint fall off. Yeah, that's like a recipe for a big chunk just like 
falling. Yeah. So my last little stories, they're all about the same docent. So we're just going to lump it all into one because it's <laughs> such, a, such a gem. Um, so this is when I was working at the Spencer at KU. Um, and I doubt anyone from the Spencer actually listens to this or reads any of our blogs. So what the hell? Um, and he may still be there. But I'll, I'll, I'll call him docent one for, for you know. We all have anonymity, you say. Yeah. Um, there was one docent, quote, docent one, right? Um, one of the stories is he was leading a tour. And the way that the Spencer K-12 Education Department would do their tours is kind of like you would start at different points throughout the galleries and then you would all rotate on a time schedule especially if there were like entire grades that would come it'd be like groups of like 15 to 20 students and they would just be rotating in school buses and it was a whole whole thing um so he was coming around into at that time i think they've probably started changing things over by now but it was at that time their 2021 gallery which was a lot of their like contemporary art um, and apparently the, the docent who was leading the section ahead of him was working too slow. This docent, I'll call her docent two, lovely woman. I love her to pieces. Um, and she just, she tells it like it is. And she's, I, I miss her a lot. Um, but she wasn't moving fast enough for docent one. And he yelled at her across the gallery in front of students presumably also teachers if they were like chaperoning each group were like professionalism does this like not exist with you i guess okay what did he yell and, like, if, i guess like to hurry up oh god i like our director recently she is just experiencing instagram for the first time and i love her she showed me a post that was like may you have the confidence of a of a mediocre white man yeah <laughs> amen and yes. this is scenarios where i'm like i should at least have the confidence of a mediocre white man willing to yell at another docent because she is not running on his time schedule and like if that was the only thing that he had done like that year it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been so bad oh, but there's there's more there's more so in that office there were like seven of us who worked in this tiny little office and it, it got to be really crowded sometimes but the one woman that i worked with she was helping with something it was probably a tour docent one grabbed both of her shoulders and physically moved her so he could walk by. Is this a pattern of like sexism that's going on right now? Where? <laughs> Scooby, I feel the same way. I was going to say, Scooby, Scooby and Cammy are not here for touching women without their consent. Oh, they're really not. Have you guys seen those Karen videos? Where Karen is on the phone with the police, and in the middle of the call, she goes, oh, oh no, they've hit me. And then she dramatically falls on the ground when no one has touched her. I feel I, like, yeah, 
I feel like in this scenario, that could actually be a good thing. Where when he, like, goes to physically move, like, a female personage aside, that she just falls to the ground and is like, oh, no. I'm a pretty big fan of uh, get your fucking hands off of me. It is, it is hard, though, whenever you're actually, like, in that situation, because it's the same thing, like, whenever you watch someone touch, like, an artifact, it's like someone comes yeah. up and touches you, kind of, like, and you're, you're, like, unaware, and your guard is down, like, the first thing that you're gonna do is just be like, did that really just happen? So that's part two of three. Um, the last one I have is also with those in one, uh, and it was the whole two years I was working there. Because I got to work there um, the two years I was during, um, doing the master's program. The whole two years I was there, there was only one one gentleman who was working in the office. And I love Neil to pieces. He's such a very talented individual. And I miss him a lot because he made working in the office very fun and entertaining. But he was the only man who worked in that office. The rest of us were women. And when I would send out emails about, like, updates to the docent website that I was in charge of running and updating and all of that good stuff and for meetings and for field trips and all of this like other docent educational related stuff he would always email Neil even though Neil wasn't the person he needed to be contacting he was in the office and did a lot of stuff with the docents he was more in charge of like scheduling tours and things like that and it would it would specifically say from my email which was educate at KU, which was not SMA tours at KU. So we have to like write a whole other email in response, which just seems like too much effort to be honest, but his prerogative, whatever. And instead of emailing then like one of my supervisors, he would also email Neil about anything that we went over during the docent meeting or any questions he might be like, let me forward this to Sarah because she's the one that takes care of this. And we sat like back to back and he was like, why is he emailing? And I was like, I don't know. It's really starting to piss me off though. And it was just, could you, could you, it's my job. Just email me. Why even have a middle person? That's it. That's all for that's all for docent one, and that's all the stories I have. So, when I was trying to think of story time, um, mostly what popped into my head because I work in collections, so I don't have a very like visitor heavy facing role. I mean, like I give tours and stuff. Sometimes I've done that a lot across like different internships and jobs that I've had so most of my like stories that stick out to me involve the collection namely people touching them <laughs> when they should not be touching them so I thought I would give kind of like Morgan's top three I cannot believe you just did that moments that I have experienced I'm so, so <laughs> so, uh, clocking in at number three, um, two of these happened um, at the Dole Institute where I worked during grad school. So, at the Dole Institute, um, where this first story happens, when we would give 
um, tours, we would kind of do something similar to, I think, what Hickson was talking about at um, the Spencer Museum, where you would kind of, like, split them, like, split your group up. And so I would normally give tours of the stacks, the archives downstairs in the basement. And so they, even though it's like an archive, there was like archival collections on one side and then object collection on the other side. And so when we gave archives tours to groups, usually like student groups, we would take them downstairs into the basement. We would like stand outside of the archives door. We would like give them the spiel about like what an archive is and the types of stuff that they're going to see and all of that and like lay out the rules and everything like that before we let them in the room and of course one of the rules is like there's going to be a point where I let you walk down an aisle don't touch anything walk back up the way you came and then we're going to talk about some of the things that you guys saw because we had a lot of like open shelving so you could see like objects and stuff like that so then we could ask questions about the things that they were noticing so this isn't like the first tour that I've given so I'm pretty used to like how they work normally kids are pretty good about following the instructions especially if it's a smaller group but apparently this was the group from hell because <laughs> as soon as we're in the archive and like we round the corner where the objects are and I'm like okay um you guys feel free to like walk down this aisle and then come right back up I like turn to answer someone else's question for like one second. And by the time I've turned back around, I noticed that there are two kids who have gone all the way down the aisle and around and have started to come up the next aisle, which they have been told they're not allowed to do. And I see them just in time to watch one of these teenage boys pick up a bat off of the shelf and go like he's gonna swing it and hit one of his friends i <laughs> was like a split second of just like dumbfound dumbfounded sheer terror and then i was just immediately like yeah excuse me well because the thing about like when you i assumed they were like Maybe, like, nine, like, eight, like, ten-year-old boys. Like, boys who know they shouldn't be doing this, but they literally just don't have the mental capacity not to. And then you said they were teenagers, and I was just dumbfounded. They were probably, like, 14 or 15, which, granted, yeah. is not a very smart age. No. It's, I mean, it's not. Let's just be, for boys or girls, you're not very... You're not very yeah. smart at 14 or 15. But yeah, so it's kind, he of, literally it's kind just, of like the worst age to be giving tours to because they're like, I don't care. You're not my mom. And even if you were, I hate you. So well, and the thing that floored me about it, too, is that they had been a really good group so far, because normally, like, if you have a rambunctious group, like you can kind of tell that like they're gonna cause issues and you like you know at what point you need to like pay a little bit more attention or you know like if there's something that you would normally do with another group that maybe you should skip so like I was just completely floored and I had one other 
um, grad student worker with me who also saw it happen. And we were both just like, you've got to be fucking So I had to, I had to uh, yell across the aisle pretty much and just be like, put that down, come back the way you came. So that's number three. Oh, which as you can, that's number three. It's gonna get worse. Oh my god! Number two, I think the sheer um, hilarity of all of the issues that I had with this particular child in this tour group. um, I I almost made it my number three, but I think just because this this child, oh my god, he earned the number two spot. This was also at the Dole Institute. Um, this was a different, um, larger tour, I think, um, during the summer. It was one of those, like, day camp groups that came through, and as soon as they came in, like, you knew they were going to be rowdy, and it was kind of like an all-hands-on-deck situation, and they were also, they were doing an activity, not just a tour, so we had, um, basically like one group doing an activity one group doing um a main gallery tour and then one group doing um the archives tour and so i was helping with an activity a scavenger hunt happening in the main gallery (laughs) this one kid after he was already like he was like loud he was running around i had to tell him to stop running multiple times Um, he stood in front of a video that was like, it had Bill Clinton in it. And I just heard him scream, screw you, Richard Nixon. (laughs) And I'm just like, um, that's actually Bill Clinton. He goes, oh, well, screw him too. (laughs) This, This child was but i mean (laughs) the point was his point was that she never did through him i mean whether it was clinton or whether it was nixon he wasn't wrong (laughs) so both of them got out of it on technical technicalities about how they define things pretty much yeah, so he, he'd been running around, he screamed at one of the videos, which was just interesting. And so the the thing about, like, the exhibit spaces at the Dole Institute is that everything is pretty much encased. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that I would have to worry about, I thought, was someone touching something in the gallery. I was wrong. I'm standing on the literal opposite side of the like long part of the gallery and I see him standing in front of this area that has like a bust of Bob Dole RIP I'm standing on the other side of the gallery and he's standing next to this like bronze kind of like bust of um Senator Dole and all of a sudden he just rears his hand back and slaps the bust right across the cheek. 
And as soon as I see it, I start to like power walk up to him because I'm like, me and this kid are going to have some words. Like, I cannot believe he just did that. But as I'm like starting to stride towards him and it's like this really, really long haul, he starts to rear his hand back again to do it. So again, I find myself having to yell and I just literally went, hey, (laughs) across this whole giant atrium and he stops like hand midair and turns back and looks at me and his eyes are like really wide and he like kind of puts his hand down and he turns around and he looks at me and by this time I get up to him and I was like, do we slap statues? He goes, uh, no. See, you went for the kid. I would have gone for the teacher. The, okay, so the teachers were also children. That's the thing to keep in mind because it was a day camp. And so it was like camp counselors who are like older teens, pretty much. And they were no help. There's your problem. So, yeah. And so I was just like, do we slap statues? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, so why did I see you slap this statue? I, I-, I don't know. Why did I see you go to slap it a second time? (laughs) He just kind of stares at me and I'm like, we don't treat objects like that when we're in a museum. You wouldn't do that to one of your classmates. I hope. Do not do that to the objects. It's not okay. And so for literally the rest of his trip there, he was like watching me and anytime I got near him he would like kind of jump around and he would like go to one of his friends and he'd be like she's coming up near me again she's watching me she's keeping her eye on me and it's like yeah I'm keeping my eye on you you're yelling at videos you're running you're slapping statues who are you I'm so afraid of what number one is and number two <laughs> It's just bold face in public multiple times slapping. Bold. So bold. I just, it absolutely floored me. And I try my best because, like, I know that sometimes, especially when you're dealing with kids, like, explaining why you don't touch things, it, it only works if you can explain it like gently and if you can explain why like touching can be harmful because then they get it and then they don't do it so I never want to be that person that just yells and says no but that's what I had to do because (laughs) can you hit me with number one I'm not sure if it gets any later that I'm going to be able to handle it emotionally Number one is harrowing, if I'm being honest, merely from a safety standpoint. Uh, So, uh, in between um, me finishing undergrad and starting grad school, I did an internship at a museum slash, like, historical site in Massachusetts called Hancock Shaker Village. And so... I was the curatorial intern and they have a pretty great internship program, at least when I was interning there in like 2018. And so we, I was the only curatorial intern, but there were a couple interns 
in um, some of the other departments. And we would meet like once a week or once every other week and like learn about different areas of the museum and things like that. So towards the end of the summer, we each um, for one of those meetings got to show like our fellow interns where we worked and like what we were working on and things like that. So one of the things that I did was gave them a tour of one of like the main collection holding areas in this um, building. I think it was called the brick dwelling. Um, so we're up in this old historic building. We're like on one of the attic floors looking through the collection. I'm showing them the different rooms where we house the different objects and talking about like some of the projects that I did that <laughs> summer. It just dawned on me that this story is going to involve someone who works at a museum disrespecting a collections item. Yeah. And I literally can't. See, Hickson's, it just dawned on her. I, like, literally can't even. I, like, I don't. What's. This could be a novel. Like, so what's going to happen that a intern is number one on your list? So do remember, though, that I was the only curatorial intern. The other interns, there were um, two farm interns because this place also um, operated as a working farm um, with, like, gardens and livestock and things like that. This place is actually, like, super fucking cool, honestly. It was literally, like, the coolest internship that I ever did. Um, so there were two interns that worked on the farm. There was one intern that did like education and interpretation. And then there were three interns that did kind of like development, marketing, like social media, those sorts of things. So I was the only collection person. And I was, so <laughs> I'm giving this tour and I turn into um, one of the rooms and I'm like showing them um, a couple of the different objects that are in the room. And one of the interns is like, who I will not say, oh, there's name. a gun. And then picks up the gun. This is the, the worst shelf. scenario. Uh, oh, I. Like, talk about your heart falling out of your ass, freezing, and, like, just breaking out into a sweat immediately. Like, I, I'm, like, a few steps away from her. She literally just turned, saw a gun on a shelf, and picked it up while saying, oh, there's a gun here? No. And so, I... Like, I'm just suddenly remembering all of, like, the horror stories from undergrad of, like, how you never want, you always want to handle firearms as if the firearm is loaded, especially if it's in a historical collection, especially if it's old, because you never know what can happen. And she just picks the fucking thing up. Oh, no. And so, like, I slowly walk towards her. And reach out and put my hands around it and pull it out of her hands. And I say, yes, that's a gun. And it might be loaded. So maybe don't touch it. And just gently placed it back on the shelf. 
and that's why we don't touch things. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And that's why it's my number one story. Because this woman straight up turned, saw a gun, and her first thought was, oh, I'm going to pick that up. Excuse me. I'm literally, like, just sitting here shoving popcorn in my mouth because I can't believe what you're telling me. It was... It was honestly, like, the single most, like, terrifying seeing someone touch a thing moment that I've ever had. And I'm just, like, I don't know. Like, it's just. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You can see how it uh, trumps a child slapping a statue because it was legitimately terrifying. Yeah. I. I wish her well. I hope that I hope that she just like isn't picking up guns anymore. I do also wonder if it had something to do with thinking like because it's in a museum collection that it's somehow inherently safe. Yeah, that's fair. um when, when in reality, you know, the more you learn about museum collections, the more you learn any sort of like ordinance or firearm is decidedly the opposite of safe in a museum collection so i don't know i i want to i want to make excuses but also i want to never be in a situation where someone without training is picking up a gun in a collection two feet away from me well those are my uh very light and breezy stories for museum (laughs) story time okay well let me sit up because i may be really faint on some of these because i decided not to sit like an adult thank you for listening to the first ever boozy musies story time we talked about philodron slapping statues and interns brandishing firearms and those at number one who needs no explanation because we all have the docent at our museum Tune in next time for God knows what, because I can't plan a month in advance. Thank you, and good night. Goodbye.